0: to meet you, the Gospel of Luke. This is not a flashback to several years ago. We are, uh, when we did a series through the, the, the Gospel of Luke, uh, I, I thought for Installation Sunday it would be fitting to revisit a passage we studied uh, way back then. This was about eight years ago. I preached on this text. Um, it's not the same sermon this morning. It is uh, vastly revised. Uh, but it is the same main idea. And so I thought it would be fitting to revisit this text again on this installation Sunday. So Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6 and 10 through 17. And as you turn there, I invite you to bow with me as we ask for the Spirit's anointing on His Word. Let's pray together. Lord God, as we uh, turn our attention to Your Word this morning, I, I do pray that You would fill us with Your Holy Spirit. Lord, we've already celebrated your faithful provision in the life of this church through the installation of elders and deacons. And I pray now, Lord, that you would continue your faithfulness to us and that we would see it, the Lord, as we open up your word together this morning. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear and give us hearts to receive the deep truths of your word. And may they be planted deep in us, May it bear fruit of change and transformation that would be for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6 and 10 through 17. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You may be seated. The call to discipleship is a daunting call. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross every day and follow me. He said, anyone who loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he said, the world will hate you because of me. To follow Jesus is to walk the hard road of emptying self and loving enemies and forsaking the world and, and seeking first the kingdom. And Jesus calls people to follow him and to serve in his kingdom. is never an easy call. It often means making a time that you don't think that you have to do things you don't think you can do in order to serve people that you don't even really like. In the first part of our text this morning, we see the demands of discipleship. Now, before we uh, turn there, uh, before we look at that, uh, this text, chapter in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 9, really marks a turning point, a, sort of a, a shift in, in, in Luke's uh, gospel. Uh, up to this point, the disciples have been following Jesus and, and learning from him. And so they've they've seen all kinds of, of wonderful and marvelous things that have come through the hand of Jesus. They've seen him heal the sick and, and, and raise the dead and cast out demons and calm storms. And they've been spectators to all of these these marvelous and wonderful kingdom-building things. But now, beginning here in chapter 9, uh, Jesus calls them to be more than just spectators. He sends them out to be participants and to begin to do the things that he has been doing. So Luke says that when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Like a mother bird nudging her fledglings out of the nest, Jesus sends his disciples out into the world. And he's sort of a peculiar thing. He sends them with no provisions. He says to them in verse 3 Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Well, you see, what, what Jesus is doing is he's stripping away all forms of earthly security and provision, no staff to protect themselves, no bag to bring anything for themselves, no bread to feed themselves, no uh, money to buy anything for themselves, and no extra shirt even to clothe themselves. You see, these five things are, 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 encompass the, the whole of personal provision, and Jesus strips it all away, and he sends them out with nothing. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says that he sends them out like sheep among wolves. Or they'll be handed over to local councils, and they'll be flogged in the synagogues. They'll be brought before governors and kings. And when you are persecuted in one place, Jesus said, flee to another. You see, these are the demands of discipleship. The disciples have been watching Jesus reverse the train wreck of human sin, prying humanity from from the grip of evil one finger at a time. And now Jesus sends them out into the mess to go and do the same. The road of discipleship is a hard road. The faith which Jesus calls his disciples is a risky faith. And what was true for them is still true for us. The demands of discipleship are still hard. The faith to which we are called is still a risky faith because the kingdom is still advancing and there are more disciples to be made and more battles to be fought. To be a follower of Jesus and to obey that call to discipleship is to be pulled and stretched and pressed as you serve the church in his name. It is to give more than you have within you to give. It's to sacrifice comforts that you would much rather keep. It is to shine the light of the gospel in dark places, knowing that some are going to hate the light. And the call of discipleship, of course, will look different for different people. It might mean serving as elder or deacon. When you don't think that you have the energy or the time to do so. It might mean talking to a neighbor about the good news of Jesus when you don't think that you have the courage or the words to say. It might mean standing up to friends or raising objections at board meetings or speaking out in classrooms knowing that doing so is going to invite opposition. Whatever the specific nature of the call, the reality of discipleship is that it's hard. Jesus made that very clear from the beginning. He didn't say, come follow me, it's going to be an easy path. He said, come follow me, it's going to be a hard road. And sometimes it feels like it's more than we can handle. And if that's where we find ourselves this morning, then we need to hear what Luke says in this text about the miracle of the bread. You see, after sending the twelve out like sheep among wolves, Luke says in verse 10 that when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. And he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But if you know anything about ministry, you know that when you're in the kingdom-building business, uh, you can never really escape the demands of ministry. And so the crowds found out where Jesus was, and they followed him to the place where they had gone to get away. And Luke says that Jesus shooed them away. said, I just need a little rest. This is my time for a moment, so come back later. Call tomorrow. No, Luke says that Jesus welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. As always, Jesus was relentless in his service. He just kept on giving when he probably felt like there was nothing left to give. And the day dragged on, and the people kept coming, and the day began to fade into evening. And as the sun got lower and lower in the sky, the disciples began to realize that they had a dilemma. That people were going to need food and lodging. You see, many of the people had traveled great distances to come and see Jesus and they were in a remote place, where so there wasn't exactly a Culver's nearby and there wasn't a, a Marriott in sight. And so Luke says that the 12 came to Jesus and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. Thinking practically, thinking logically, thinking rationally, you know, as I can certainly relate to. And Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. You. Why don't you give them something to eat? Well, Luke says that there were 5,000 men gathered there and If there were women and children, which, uh, according to the other gospel writers, it seems that there were, then there could easily have been more than 10,000 people gathered around. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And can't you see the strange looks on on the disciples' faces? And they probably thought that Jesus had been out in the sun too long, maybe growing delusional from exhaustion. How are they supposed to feed thousands of people? What is Jesus talking about? What, what does he possibly have in mind? When I mean, They can only think of two options. Number one, either they try to go out and buy food for the whole crowd, which would be both logistically and financially impossible. Or number two, they feed them what they already have, which, as they look around, was not nearly enough. Because the disciples said to Jesus, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. You know, Jesus, look around. 10,000 people. Five loaves. Two fish. And the thing is, the loaves of bread in that day were not like the loaves of bread in our day. They were really more like like little uh, uh, biscuits or rolls. Little buns. Five buns. And the fish, according to Mark's gospel and and, and the gospel of John were were little fish, like basically oversized minnows. In fact, according to John's gospel, the the only food that they had, the bread and the fish, was some boy's lunch that his mom had probably packed for the day. And so basically what they have is the equivalent of a little Lunchables packet for 10,000 people. And Jesus says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. Take what you have, you give them something to eat. And of course, we know how the rest of the story goes. The disciples were at a loss to know what to do. So Jesus told them to have the crowd sit down in groups of 50. And as Luke records it, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. Now, we don't know how Jesus did it. In fact, it's, I won't take you in, in too far off track here, but it's, it's intriguing to me to read the lengths to which some so-called biblical scholars will go to try to explain how Jesus did this and, and biblical scholars who are of the liberal persuasion who don't believe in miracles. And so they, they could go to great lengths to, to give some human or some rational, logical explanation, which is really not logical at, at all. <laughs> Like they, they will say that maybe Jesus hypnotized them. that These are actual, these are actual words and actual scholarly, academic works that, that, that offer these as solutions, that Jesus hypnotized them, that he didn't really actually feed them anything at all, but was just teaching them a lesson to be like the rest of the disciples to go without. That maybe the women in the crowd hitched up their skirts and, and ran off to the surrounding villages to get food and bring it back. We don't know how Jesus did it. But what we do know is that all those explanations are utterly ridiculous because it was a miracle. That in some miraculous way, Jesus made the bread and the fish multiply from little more than a handful of crackers and sardines. He provided more than enough food for everyone to eat, for everyone to eat and be satisfied. Did you get enough? Is there anybody who's still hungry? Everyone to eat and be satisfied. But that's not the end of the story. There is a, a lesson in this miracle for the disciples. Notice what Luke says at the very end of the text in verse 17. He says, They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And how many disciples were there? 12. Now tell me, do you think that's a coincidence? No, it's not a coincidence. You see, the, the, the miracle of the bread wasn't primarily for the hungry crowd. That The miracle of the bread was primarily for the disciples. And the lesson in the miracle of the bread was this, that whatever is demanded of disciples for the sake of the kingdom, God will provide more than enough. 12 basketfuls, 12 disciples. There's a message in there for the disciples. You will always have more than enough if you trust in me. See, this is, why, this is why Jesus sent the disciples out like sheep among wolves. This is why he told them to go without any provisions at all. Take nothing for the journey, Jesus said. No bread, no staff, no bag, no money, no extra shirt, no provisions at all. He wanted them to provide nothing for themselves so they would learn to be utterly and completely dependent on him. You see, the feeding of the multitude was a test. You give them something to eat, Jesus said. It doesn't matter if there's 10,000 people in one little sack lunch. Have you learned yet what I can do through you if you depend on me? Did you learn the lesson when I sent you out like sheep among wolves with no provisions? Have you learned that whatever faith demands of you, God will provide more than enough? They hadn't quite learned the lesson. Which is why Jesus did the miracle of the bread. Because they needed to have that lesson ingrained in them if they're going to go out and serve in his name. And that's a lesson for us as well, isn't it? Follow me, Jesus says. Go boldly in my name. Dream big and take risks for the kingdom. Discover how daring you can be in your faith. You will be stretched. Stretched. And you will be tested, and you will be challenged, and you will be at times overwhelmed. You will sacrifice time and energy. You will face problems that you don't know how to solve and fears that you've never known before. And when you do, remember the bread. Remember the the basketfuls of leftovers. Remember how I made something out of nothing and how it was more than enough. That's what God will do for you when you follow Christ and serve in his name. That's what God will do for you when you follow Christ and serve in his name. He will always give you more than enough. You will never spend yourselves beyond what he will supply. You will never empty yourselves beyond what he will fill. You will never give more than what he will replenish. The demands of discipleship are hard. But the provision of God is more than enough. It's more than enough to equip you to serve as elders and deacons or whatever kingdom ministry Christ is calling you to. It's more than enough to supply the time and the energy that you don't think that you have. It's more than enough to strengthen you to rebuild a marriage that seems beyond repair. Is more than enough to empower you to forgive what seems to be unforgivable. Is more than enough to embolden you to be a gospel witness when you don't think that you have the gifts or the skills or the words to say. You see, the lesson that Jesus wants us to see in the bread is that we are free, that we are free to spend ourselves in His name, to give more than we thought we could give, to take risks that we didn't think we could take, to venture out into the shadowlands of service where only the most radical Christ followers dare to go. To go out there and to gather the leftovers, fill up the baskets, Jesus says. Live life on the outer edges. Love those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. Befriend those who reject you. Discover the adventure of an untamed life. A life recklessly abandoned to a Christ who never once played it safe. Dare to give beyond what you think you can give and dare to let go of that which you think you could never do without. The demands of discipleship are hard, but the provision of God is always more than enough. There is, of course, an even deeper lesson in this miracle of the bread. John makes it so clear in his gospel. The miracle of the bread points to Jesus himself as the true bread from heaven. And this is Christ himself is God's greatest and all-sufficient provision. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. His blood is more than enough, more than enough to purchase our redemption. His body is more than enough to satisfy our deepest hunger. In the words of William Cooper, this is the feast of heavenly wine and God invites us to sup. The juices of the living vine were pressed to fill the cup. Oh, bless the Savior, ye that eat with royal dainties fed. Not heaven affords a costlier treat for Jesus is the bread. Let us come to Christ as our living bread and live boldly in the promise of more than enough. Let's bow together. Lord Jesus, as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, may we come to you with all that we are, and surrender all that we would hold on to and all that we might fear and all that we don't think that we could ever accomplish for your sake and for your kingdom. And may we come before your throne and fall before your feet and say, here I am with my basket ready to be filled more than enough. And I will go boldly in your name to do what you've called me to do. Lord, here are silent prayers of surrender and preparation this morning. O Lord, we are your disciples. And I pray, O Lord, as we come to receive the body and the bread of our living Lord, that you would equip us and embolden us and encourage us in our faith and encourage us in our discipleship to go boldly, O Lord, wherever you're calling us to go, trusting that you will provide more than enough. Lord, feed us this morning as we come to the table of grace. In Jesus' name, amen.